Hello and welcome to Two Bald Men and Friend, the show where we talk about issues and ideas using pop culture as the springboard. I'm your host, Joe, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Alex. Hello. And today we're joined by our friend, Kristen. Hi, I'm Kristen. Today we're talking about Inside Out and emotional intelligence. So, spoiler alert for Inside Out. Please sit back, relax, or if you're driving, please sit upright and continue to drive vigilantly. Kristen, thank you for coming back. Uh, Thank you for having me. You've been on the show a couple times now, but it was before we were asking our guests uh, to introduce themselves and tell the the audience a little bit about them. Well, as I said, I'm Kristen. I like books and animation and swimming. Mostly books, though. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, What were the, the last couple of episodes you've been on? Uh. To All the Boys I've Loved Before, and I think Big Mouth. Mm-hmm. And which did you prefer? Probably Big Mouth. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I didn't really care for the other one. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a particularly great book, and I thought the movie was okay, so... Uh. But boy, am I going to watch the sequel. <laughs> There's, <laughs> There's a, a sequel? sequel? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a series. The book, the books are a series. Yeah, I didn't pick up the... No. Oh, I thought you meant, like, Netflix affirmatively said like don't you worry sequel i i think so that's okay yeah seems like a netflix thing to do Mm -hmm. yeah it's real easy to uh you know just spend money when you don't have to worry about making it back (laughs) (laughs) that's the dream (laughs) oh to be rich uh so Kristen, uh tell us about your week i spent the week with my grandparents and chauffeured them to various doctor's appointments. That was really the week. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was super exciting. It was work and uh, waiting rooms. That's exciting. Are your grandparents um, the, the racist kind, uh, the fun kind? My grandmother the, uh... is the nicest person you'll ever meet. Ooh. But my grandfather <laughs> is sexist and racist and anti-Semitic and every other prejudice term you could probably think of <laughs> so uh he's a joy snaps snaps <laughs> yep. fine there's still some of us out there yeah. <laughs> always fun hanging out with him uh that must be stressful because i know if i'm that age i'm not letting people tell me what to do or what to think mm-hmm. so like whatever my mindset was in my 30s and 40s no one's gonna change that in my 70s and 80s mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not changing. I mean, it's interesting in the sense that, you know, you can pretty much ignore him unless you're in public and he's saying something <laughs> to somebody else, and in which case mm. you kind of want to find a hole and die. Um, but yeah, you know. It's going to be weird being old because I wonder if there's still going to be, like, progress from here. Obviously, like, in terms of social structure and stuff, hopefully there is. But in terms of, like, recognizing your own prejudices... I wonder if it's going to be like, man, Grandpa still doesn't get that uh, love between a human and an alien is, like, totally okay. <laughs> or something like that. I don't like, know. He's, he's still thinking about pronouns when we've decided to uh, address everyone specifically by their proper noun. Yeah. To never have that problem again. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, no, like, more you, progress. You stupid kids. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but all in all, I'm sure that when I'm old and dying and decaying, I will feel all of the emotions that I feel today. Boom. Segway. Go, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Wow, what a perfect segue. First try. Seamless. <laughs> so I think that can bring us to our synopsis of Inside Out. Kristen, do you think you could provide that for us? I think I could. There is a young girl, Riley, who is faced with a new situation and is unsure about how to handle it. So she needs to learn how to balance her emotions. And that's what the movie is. It's interesting that you described um, Riley's situation. Because if I were to describe the movie, I'd say it follows the emotions of this young girl. But like I but think that's Riley's situation. No, I know. I, what I'm saying is, I think yours was like a better description of it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like these personified emotions in the movie create like Riley's output. Mm-hmm. But like us watching it, know that in reality, the situation that she was pushed to and the age that she is affected the emotions. Um, in a way that created, like, a problem for them. Mm -hmm. So as a child watching this, you're like, oh, the emotions, like, caused her to feel this way, which is right. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, my God. Oh, God. (laughs) Disney, you've done it again. (laughs) Honestly, uh, despite this cycle that we were about to get stuck in, um, I can't think of, like, a thing I didn't like about this movie. So I'm just going to say off the top, I'm giving it five stars, critic, and fan. Yeah, I'm willing to agree with that. As a fan, I get very emotional, um, and it hits a lot of high points and really intelligent low points that create opportunities for learning. Mm -hmm. Um, And as a critic, like, they, they nailed it. Like, they hit all those beats hard. They told a good story. And each emotion slash character had a motivation for the decisions that they make. Mm-hmm. I give it a five. As a fan and a critic, granted I'm not much of a critic. but <laughs> You I, are when you're here. <laughs> fair enough. I really enjoyed it. I think it was well done. And it gave a good illustration of how our mental processes work. Even if not, you know, scientific, it was understandable. Mm-hmm. Right. Joe, can you mention that uh, YouTuber that like criticized Inside Out because his shtick is like, I guess, messing with movies? Yeah. So so uh, the, the name of the YouTube is Your Movie Sucks. So obviously that's kind of his deal. But he's earnest in his opinions. He's not doing a bit, at least as far as I understand. And so typically he does movies like The Room or Cool Cat, um, movies that are you know, widely known on the internet as very bad movies. But he'll also go out and do, like, movies that were just released. And he did one for Inside Out, and his main criticism was, this doesn't make any sense, emotions are chemicals released in your brain, so how are they personified and have their own personalities? And that was, like, two minutes into the video, and I just turned it off. Like, I was like, okay, I can tell you're not like, you just don't get it. Like, and you don't want to get it. It really sounded like someone who's like, um, okay, number one, vampires aren't real, <laughs> so the plot doesn't make sense. Number two, if werewolves were real, why would that make them half nude all the time? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you're missing the point. I do want to get into things that I loved about this movie, and there's so much. Like, 
I don't even know if I'm going to be able to criticize it. Mm -hmm. Um, The exposition at the very beginning where they talk about the core memories and they sort of establish this universe of where the emotions live was very digestible. I had fun the whole time. They used, quote unquote, lazy narration. Mm -hmm. But the scenes that were happening during the narration, like, kept me engaged the whole time. So I still enjoyed, like, the first... 10 minutes of just this is how this movie works these are the rules and then i'm like okay i'm ready let's get in there mm-hmm. it's a kids movie it should be kind of lazy narration <laughs> like <laughs> all you right, want you... children to understand it <laughs> all right you dumb motherfuckers listen up these are the rules <laughs> um it's it's narration and newscast exposition those are the mm-hmm. two laziest forms and I accept both. I'm like, if it gets the information <laughs> faster out there, then fine. Let's just get to the movie part, okay? I'm ready for it. Um, I loved, and I actually brought this up on our Big Mouth episode, I really enjoyed how the rules of the universe explained what was going on. So in Big Mouth, Nick doesn't go through puberty, and it's because he keeps getting his hormone monster changed so they keep having to put his puberty on hold in this one riley is like acting out and it's because joy and sadness aren't at headquarters and so the only other emotions uh fear disgust and anger are the only ones that can input stuff and at one point disgust tries to do something that joy should have done and Riley comes out as like, ugh, that's disgusting. And they're like, why'd you do that? And she's like, because I'm not Joy, <laughs> so I literally can't. Yeah, like she said, this is what Joy would say, but then it comes out as a sarcastic tone mm-hmm. because it's disgust, and it's like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. I think my favorite thing about the movie was that it made it clear that happiness isn't an emotion, it's a state. And for you to be happy, you need to have a balance of your core emotions and it's not just going to come to fruition if you just keep hitting joy yeah there was Mm -hmm. definitely a distinction between joy the emotion and happiness as an existence the second time around watching this which was a few days ago i was getting frustrated with joy because she kept turning every like negative thing that happened into a positive and would keep trying to come up with, oh no, she's momentarily upset. Let me see if I can fix it. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of like a types of people, like if you vent to them, instead of them just like being like, yeah, that's tough and being empathetic, they're like, well, think of it this way. What if uh, this? Or, uh, well, your problems aren't that big because think of that. And it's like, you're just, you're just ignoring me. And sure, you heard what I said, but you're not listening to the reason that I'm sharing this to you. And they come back to that when sadness is comforting Bing Bong. And Mm -hmm. like Joy tries to help Bing Bong, is unsuccessful, and then sadness just listens and says, yeah, that is really sad. And it helps Bing Bong through that emotion, and he comes back out on top. Mm -hmm. It's a... cool that the message of the movie is basically feel your feelings because joy the entire time is like no i can't let riley feel sad and it's because joy literally can't comprehend sadness as a good thing because i guess she sees herself as like the best emotion um but then sadness at one point goes to joy and it's like no like if you're sad be sad 
<laughs> and then that's when Riley is saved. Yeah, and and when they justify that in Riley's universe, she's trying to be strong for her parents. Mm-hmm. She sort of they move. Her parents are having a hard time. Her father's stressed from work. So she's like, I have to put on this mask of not being sad or angry because that's going to be more supportive to my parents' situation. And so that justifies, like, why she was sort of, like, hiding her real emotions, even though in the universe in her head, it was because her emotions were lost. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was interesting. And a very real situation of a child being put in an adult situation that is kind of messed up. Like, her mom comes over and is like, like, oh, thank you so much for being so strong for us during this stressful time. And yeah, it's a relief for the parents, but also you just communicated to your child that it would be harder for them if you revealed that you didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And now she's trapped in a situation of, well, now I can't share my real feelings. <laughs> um, I want to quickly just talk about the little jokes throughout the movie that I thought were like, so strong and wouldn't make any sense in any other context. The one that I'm thinking of immediately is when, um, I don't know if they have a name, but these people are like cleaning out Riley's memory and they're like, okay, cell phone numbers. Why would she need to memorize cell phone numbers? They're in her phone. Okay, delete them. And I think that's such a relatable thing especially for i think our age group because Mm -hmm. there was a time where we had to memorize cell phone numbers but at this point like i don't remember anyone yeah they they also have little snippets because they can play on memory jokes and like dream jokes and Mm -hmm. like just general things about like people's existence because they're like within their own head universe Mm -hmm. so they also have like music lessons who needs all of these all right, just keep chopsticks and blah, blah, blah. And they <laughs> yeah. just suck out every other song. <laughs> I like the Brazilian helicopter pilot. Which yeah. wasn't even Riley's, but I'm partial to it. Um, that was like one of, one of the best parts was every time they jumped into someone else's head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the biggest laughs is when, at the very end, when Riley bumps into a boy, and then you see her his head, and it's just... Oh. Girl, girl, girl. And they're all freaking out. Uh, That reminds me of Riley's imaginary boyfriend who comes out of the machine. I would die for Riley. Yeah, everyone has one. I love that he... I love when um, Joy has to, like, mass produce them to make, like, a hill. He literally, she literally murdered them. Yeah, he, he would die died for, for Riley. Yeah. I mean, she asked them. Yeah. She was like, "Was it true what you said before that you would die for Riley?" <laughs> I would die for. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> and then mass murders them <laughs> to save oh. Riley, though. So a willing sacrifice. Oh, uh, I just remembered the uh, when they get on the train of thought. And they knock over a bunch of boxes, and it's like, oh, no, facts and opinions. It's okay. Just just put them wherever. Just put them back in the box. Oh, <laughs> uh, this movie's so good, you guys. Like, it really is. <laughs> I also, um, I was talking about the cast with someone recently, and I think they nailed it. 
Yeah, I didn't know At least that, for the emotions. I didn't know that Bill Hader was um, fear. Mm-hmm. And when I found out the second time around, I loved it that much more. I have such a high opinion of Bill Hader. I love him so much. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really just know Amy Palmer and Mindy Kaling. That was like, <laughs> that was who I knew was in the movie. <laughs> You must have recognized Lewis Black's voice, though. Yeah, you're like, right. Whether no, or not you care about anger, him is yeah. different. <laughs> no, that's true. Uh, speaking of Bill Hader, one of the things... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I think Fear had one of the best lines for my profession, where he made a list of things that could go wrong on the first day of school, and he comes in, and he's like, all right, at the top I got quicksand, spontaneous combustion, (laughs) and being called on by the teacher. (laughs) (laughs) And those three should be at the top. Mm. Those are the most horrifying and equal, fearful things that should exist. At least spontaneous combustion over quick. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Probably being called on by the teacher should be bumped up at least one. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Because that's prolonged misery. (laughs) And then then he immediately, we have a new student today. What? Right out of the gate! (laughs) (laughs) How do you handle that? You don't. You know, there is something I disliked about the movie, but it's not really like a dislike. I just really hate clowns. So that scene mm. with the clown, wasn't a fan. That's it. That makes sense. And they have a fun dream concept of like, all right, fear, fear is again watching mm. the dreams. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I bet she's not wearing any pants. And they look mm-hmm. down and he's not wearing any pants. He's like, called it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But then uh, Joy, like, wakes up the clown and brings him through the dream because she knows fear is watching it. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I would have never called that one. Like, that's crazy. (laughs) Terrifying. And just the whole idea of dreams are a bunch of people in a cast. There's, like, a cast and crew that creates the dreams with, like, actors. (laughs) That's pretty fun, too. I'd like to rehire mine. I yeah. <laughs> just so many nightmares. Do you guys remember the movie Osmosis Jones? Fondly. Yes. Um, during the beginning of the third act, when he's down on his luck, he passes by a movie theater, and the movie theater is showing dreams of Bill Murray's character. Yes. And it's like they have like movie posters up, and it's like first day of school and like he's not wearing any pants and then you know other stuff so i thought that was a some experiences are universal Mm -hmm. (laughs) i still have dreams of like going to a class that i signed up for and realizing that it started weeks earlier (laughs) and like that i missed like a whole month or two of school and i don't know why that's a nightmare for me um but it, it's something that has come up periodically throughout my entire life. My school nightmare is that I fall asleep, which isn't really bad. I did that a lot. But someone <laughs> notices. <laughs> Usually I could avoid that. but This isn't school-related, I guess, but I had a reoccurring... I wouldn't even say it's a nightmare. I, I had a reoccurring dream that everyone's parents got replaced with dinosaurs... But they weren't Sign like... Sign me up. 
they weren't like, oh, I'm still your mom, but I'm in a T-Rex body. Like, they were just straight up <laughs> regular dinosaurs. <laughs> so I had to be like, oh, this T-Rex wants to eat me, but also it's my mom and she has to take me places. <laughs> Can you imagine a T-Rex driving? Foot reaches the pedal, but the arms but the are so arms, far yeah. away. Can't. You just gotta use those uh, little extender claws. Yeah, the grabbers. <laughs> I don't know if this is real, but I feel like I've seen a like a cartoon or something with a T-Rex with the grabbers, yeah. and he's like, "Now I'm unstoppable." <laughs> yes. It it exists. <laughs> well, guys, I could talk about dreams and T-Rexes and just fanboy over Inside Out all day. But I think it's a good spot to take a break, and when we get back, we'll dive more into the symbolism of the movie and emotional intelligence. Sounds like a plan. Okie dokie. Trying to contact us, go to twobaldmenpodcast.com. I'm not sure why you're calling this episode. Bye. Boy, oh boy, I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready to go out and purchase those goods or services. Yum, yum. Hi, Karumba. <laughs> oh, you're in on it now. Yeah. Oh, man. Now you need to be in every episode. <laughs> Um, in the first half, I talked about how I enjoyed the narration exposition because it was fun to watch. They talked about the core memories. Uh, something that I totally forgot to mention is that those core memories create islands of personality. Mm. Uh, and it's really interesting to see the core memories get lost uh, in the beginning. And so we see that the islands can be broken And it's sort of dangerous, like, if it comes up, like, you might lose your sense of self when you experience, like, a difficult time. Um, Riley's islands of personality included, like, being a goofball. Hockey was its own whole thing. Mm -hmm. Friends and family were separate, right? Yeah, there was a family Mm -hmm. island and a friendship island. And then honesty. And so Joe thought it was a good idea to go around and see if we can come up with at least one or two islands of personality that we think we have. And this is already presuming that we all have the family and friendship ones. Yeah, fingers mm-hmm. crossed. I, I would argue my family and friendship is one island. Yeah, yeah I would say those probably. are probably one. I think that's. I think that would be true of most people. I'm willing to say... Uh, cinematically, it's more dramatic if family is like about to be destroyed. Also, if you're but a little doesn't. kid, yeah, that's also true too. Yeah, I think at age eleven, like family is like your go-to comfort. This that friends are people you see and hang out with sometimes, and then leave. And you still mm-hmm. love them, but like they're not your main support system yet. Yeah, that's yeah. valid. Your guys is way nicer than my explanation. <laughs> <laughs> if I had a gun as a twelve-year-old and had to kill a family member or a friend, I'd choose the friend. But now. I guess I'd still choose family. Oh, man, maybe they are different islands. (laughs) Shout out to Brian and Jonathan and my mom. I won't kill you, maybe. (laughs) But don't cross me. (laughs) 
comforting. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. <laughs> but let's assume that those... <laughs> <laughs> let's assume that those islands exist. Okay. <laughs> so who wants to start? <laughs> Um, this is a cop-out, but I, I think I'd probably have a video game island instead of a hockey island. I think that's a hobby that I enjoy and have enjoyed my whole life, and it's a way that I like to spend my time, but can also spend time with others. So I think that I'd probably have that island. Cool. Yeah. I think a lot of people use video games... In, like, such a variety of ways, because some of them are very, like, oh, I'm going to just isolate myself and sort of accomplish these little things to, like, re- re- restart myself and sort of isolate myself for a little while. And then other people use video games to, like, go to their community and, like, mm-hmm. hang out with people virtually. And I find that so interesting because there's, like, a stereotype behind it of, like, oh, video games are so isolating. But mm-hmm. no. Yeah, uh, I didn't. I don't really play online, um, but I know in high school that was like one of the main ways people would hang out. You wouldn't go to a friend's house anymore, but you would log on to like Xbox at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, my my hobby island would probably be like a combined reading, writing, literature island. Mm, that's a good one. That's what I spend the vast majority of my free time doing. And I love it. So I can't imagine who I would be without the very many books I've read <laughs> and have subsequently like, molded my personality after. It's crazy because not only does she read all of them, but she retains so much of it. It's awfully terrifying. Yeah. I think she's a robot. <laughs> but she's great to have around during trivia. Thanks. Oh yeah, and I guess great to have around like just as company, but I specifically like to exploit her. Yeah, trivia, particularly when you can win because you're friends with her. <laughs> I accept this. <laughs> I will relish it. <laughs> Please continue to find me useful. <laughs> I have zero emotional issues on dependency. Cool. Okay, I'm glad we <laughs> we all acknowledge that. Yes. <laughs> um, I would definitely say. When I group, like, my hobbies, they come down to, I guess, what I would identify as personality islands. Like, I think my passions are its own island. But then when I think about things that mold me, it's just my passions. (laughs) And everything else is, like, a responsibility. (laughs) So, I don't know. Um, I think exercise, not hockey, but, like exercise itself and being physically healthy would be a personality island that I have because I generally feel better when I commit to that experience and it's a very social experience for me as well Um, and then I think art specifically creating art I think would be its own personality island and then like appreciating art or criticizing art would be like it's a totally separate thing like an archipelago <laughs> like art archipelago i like art, that art capelago i, I like that <laughs> but i think uh, my brain gets stimulated in different ways when i'm creating art than when i'm absorbing someone else's art 
So like, right. so like performing improv rubs a different part of my brain than watching improv. Mm-hmm. And those are the three I came up with. Um, but in in general, I really appreciated this visual concept of personality islands and how they can grow and how they can might they how they might fall apart and how they can regrow and all that good stuff. I like that when all the islands fall, mm-hmm. you're left with apathy. Yes, I yeah. think that was a really nice distinction. The way uh, the two parts that make me emotional are when all of the emotions are trying to use the buttons and the whole thing starts like becoming solid mm-hmm. and she's just apathetic and yeah. is like spiraling into depression. I'm like, no, no, Riley, please just <laughs> just realize what you're doing. Um, and then the other one is when Joy reveals her greatest selfish act of trying to leave sadness behind and she has all of her core emotions and she goes like through the suction and she's just like I'm sorry sadness but there's no room for you here mm-hmm. and she was referencing the tube but referencing uh, her emotion in existence to Riley mm-hmm. and I was like but don't you understand Joy <laughs> you need sadness I mean I think that's very like relatable even as adults especially as adults i think because something goes wrong and it's not really a big issue you know in the grand scheme of things it shouldn't matter so logically and cognitively you're like all right i'm not going to pay attention to this i'm not going to feel it like this shouldn't bother me oh yeah i was king of turning things off and not when i needed to (laughs) like i again same like you just go "Mm mm-mm and there's always that, oh, well, you know what? There are kids starving in Africa. or like, But there's always somebody who has it worse than you. And if that's the case, then only one person in the entire world can ever feel sad. But that's ridiculous. Right. So accept your emotions, even if they're sad. It's okay to be sad sometimes. And like, even though it's a kid's movie, I think it's really important for adults to learn that, too. Like, It doesn't make you weak. It makes you human. Yeah. And it makes you balanced and adjusted. Yeah, I want to bring up the idea of emotional intelligence because, uh, Kristen, you brought up the idea that it doesn't make you weak. Um, So emotional intelligence is defined as the capacity to be aware of, control, and express one's emotions and to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and empathetically. And I think it's interesting that on television or in movies in most popular culture when someone is shown to be like smart and powerful they're always also an asshole like house sherlock uh tony stark for the most part they're all tony. <laughs> oh i do too but he <laughs> but starts right. up, no, he starts off He's with this idea of intelligence being i'm you know i know math and science and I can predict the next 50 Super Bowl winners just by, you know, looking at stats. And I'm above feelings. Exactly. But if I talk to someone, I always piss them off. That's the one thing I'm not smart about <laughs> is talking to people. <laughs> yeah, like there's there's the three main forms of intelligence, like intellectual. Is that one? 
intellectual intelligence. I feel like that's redundant. I forget what it's called. But, I'll look it up but there's about. there's social intelligence and emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. and they. I think there was a Cracked article way back when Cracked was good that was <laughs> like TV and movie tropes that aren't real, and one of them is that too smart of people don't have social intelligence and are mm-hmm. jerks. And it's like, that's a myth. Like, most yeah. often, the smartest people are also the most empathetic people. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at you, Big Bang Theory. <laughs> <laughs> I um, but what what you two were referencing with this idea of... The, the definition of emotional intelligence doesn't say doesn't feel sad or doesn't feel mm-hmm. certain emotions. It's being able to handle your emotions. And this idea of people have it worse is insignificant to the fact that I'm still feeling an emotion. Adam Smith gets into this with the theory of moral sentiment, where he talks about it would be more painful on an individual basis for me to cut off my pinky than for me to think about the fact that people in China are starving and dying. Emotionally, one would be more difficult than the other. Mm-hmm. But our social intelligence tells us that if cutting off my pinky finger would save people from starving in China, we'd be willing to do it. And that doesn't mean that we're not feeling that pain, but we have like a sort of hierarchy in our head of what we're willing to experience for the sake of other people in humanity. And I think emotional intelligence has to do with acknowledging those feelings and experiencing them but making decisions about your actions based off of that Mm -hmm. and also it specifies empathize instead of sympathize and those are two really different things if you empathize with someone you really understand where they're coming from even though you're not going through it you acknowledge and recognize their emotions if you're just sympathizing you're kind of just like that sucks buddy sorry (laughs) Like, like, oh, I'd hate to be in your shoes, because mm-hmm. if I was, it would suck. <laughs> but that's as far as my recognition of your issue goes. I agree. That, that distinction is pretty important. And I think in order to maintain that emotional health, which I think a lot of us ignore in our society, um, I know in in my school... Like, emotional intelligence is definitely the lowest out of all of the intelligences that we try to cultivate in middle school. No, I mean, it's middle school. Nobody's okay in middle school. (laughs) Agreed. But it's also horrifying uh, Mm -hmm. to an extent of, like, this egocentrism, one-minded, imaginary audience. All of those experiences are, are going to create opportunities for you to learn emotional health. And if you're mm-hmm. not in the right setting, then, uh-oh, SpaghettiOs, you end up like me or Kristen. Uh. <laughs> I'm very well adjusted. I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't need medication. I like that, uh... Yeah, thanks for not including me <laughs> in that little rib. <laughs> I could. Yeah. No, you could, yeah. But <laughs> I don't know about you, but I have therapy at least once every two weeks, and I talk to my psychiatrist once a month, so <laughs> I can't really be the beacon of mental well-being. <laughs> but I think you can be the uh, beacon of emotional intelligence because you've realized and understood that uh, you need those things. You do. I mean, I've, I've done it enough 
I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder when I was 11. It's been 15 years now. I can say for certain that when you're having unhappy thoughts, it's better to just have them. Because <laughs> it gets worse if you just ignore them. Then it's then it's a cycle, and then you just really can't escape. Then you need help. Yeah. That's how they get it's, you. It's like, because uh, you're, you're on top of the feelings, you then add on shame of having those yeah. feelings because you're not mm-hmm. talking about it, you're not acknowledging them and, and then you're adding guilt to those feelings because do like do I deserve to feel sad when like I have it this good in life and blah 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 but I do think a part of emotional intelligence is knowing when something is big enough to ask for help mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to acknowledge like oh this frustrated me but I'm not going to blame anyone for it. it. This is a situation that just happened, and I'm going to accept that it frustrated me and move forward after that. Not go, oh, that's, oh, that's okay, that's fine. Yeah, I, I can get through it. Like the, the meme of the dog in the fire saying <laughs> this is fine. As funny as that meme is, poor emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and no one wants to be sad, but it's important to feel it. When you do feel it. Like, if you make yourself sad, that's probably different. But if something sad happens, be sad. That means you can be happier faster. If you ignore it, then you just ruminate it on it. And it might not be as intense, but it'll last a hell of a lot longer. And then you get, like, actually fucked up. <laughs> that's the vicious cycle. <laughs> yeah, we, um... On our last episode when we talked about every brilliant thing, we talked about the idea of um, staying hopeful because your mindset does obviously play a huge role in how you perceive the world. But I hate when someone's like, no, your life is fine. You just, you know, just change your mindset, not your life. And it's like, no, it doesn't work like that. Who told you that? <laughs> like, there, I think there's a, an opportunity for truth there if mm-hmm. they knew your whole life story. Exactly. And could... and could uh, weave in and out of the difference between your mindset and your chemical imbalances. Mm -hmm. But since they can't, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's really up to you to determine. Yeah. And also, it's just a hell of an understatement. Even if it's just a mindset, it's really hard to change your mindset. Yeah, the word just is Uh pretty uh, condescending. (laughs) Oh, you just need to go outside more. Like, okay, thank you. I'll go outside and be miserable there. <laughs> vitamin D. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I do have a vitamin D deficiency during the winter, um, and it does affect uh, my depression. So Seasonal affective <laughs> disorder. That's why I keep a case of Sunny D in my house at all times. <laughs> the best antidote. <laughs> yep. Uh, it contains 5% juice. Yeah. Oh, that's a lot. That's, yeah. that's more it than is? I thought it would contain. And the, and ninety five percent vitamin D. Like that's <laughs> oh. perfect. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I I think I realized I might have that last year because it was the winter and uh, I was taking the subway a lot. So oh. I was, and it was in the morning. So I would leave my house when it was still dark out, be underground, then be inside until the sun went down again walk back when it was dark, be underground, 
And it made me real sad. No, seasonal affective disorder is a real thing. It happens to people who aren't even inclined for mental illness. There's a reason why northern countries have higher suicide rates and why a lot of them now, like Iceland and Sweden, Finland, stuff like that, have government-mandated UV lamps that you have to sit in front of during the winter. It's just... I mean, it's a health crisis for them. You mean the government cares about mental health in those places? Yeah, I mean, like, here in the U.S., Alaska can go fuck itself. (laughs) Alaska has the highest rate of depression Mm -hmm. and spousal abuse. And suicide. And suicide, and it all has to do with the fact that their winter is pitch black. Mm -hmm. And long. The whole time. (laughs) Like, when the sun rises, it's like a sliver. And then it goes back down. And that's only if it rises. Some yeah. places it doesn't rise. But uh, no, the, the sun Alaskans is important. get out. <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you like... living there? <laughs> um, one thing that really surprised me to understand is like, no. One thing that was difficult for me to grasp my brain around, despite the fact of how logical it is, is the fact that all of these forms of health are linked in some sort of way. So, like, when you want to benefit your mental health and your, like, emotional health, sometimes your physical health can help you get to that point. Not always. So I'm not saying, oh, if you're depressed, go exercise, problem solved. But when I exercise and when I feel accomplished and I get those endorphins, um, all that dopamine stuff... I do feel better, and I make a point to exercise more in the winter because of my seasonal affective disorder, because, like, mm-hmm. I got to get something, mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh. it's not sunlight. <laughs> I forget the specific name for it, but there's that triangle of the hierarchy of needs, and I'm not sure how scientific this is considered now, but at the bottom you have things like food, shelter, water, and then slowly but surely you get, like, self-fulfillment, interpersonal relationships, and at the very, very top is your emotional happiness. And I think it goes to show that while happiness and emotional well-being can depend on a lot of different things, it's the whole big picture that comes in right. to really well, cement it. Like you can be happy without some of those things, but if you have all of them, it's a lot easier. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's especially difficult to be emotionally happy when you're trying to figure out your shelter. Mm-hmm. Or if you can't pay rent. Yeah. You can't afford food. Can you imagine a world where, like, our basic needs were met automatically via, like, government-mandated things? Yeah, as if, you know, basic bottom-of-the-shelf hierarchy stuff was considered a right and not a privilege to have. Like, yeah. minimum wage would actually support somebody? Like, a living salary as minimum wage? Wild. If only there were one or perhaps two candidates running on this very platform. And a Congress that was open to the idea of people not starving in their country. Yeah, the beginning of this was, could you imagine? So I'm going to say, no, I can't imagine. (laughs) Yeah, fair. I mean... I literally cannot imagine. My brain can't handle it. Not to drop names, but if Mitch McConnell is still alive... I don't see it happening. (laughs) Oh, you dropped something. Not to call anybody out. (laughs) Kentucky. 
<laughs> the the other Cough. day, <laughs> the other day, Joe and I were in an improv scene, and he Joe starts the scene with. With, I think we have a rat amongst us, and I think it's you wearing turtlenecks. You're hiding something. And then, like, four beats later, Joe says, look, I don't want to point any fingers. And the guy was like, no, that's how you started this conversation. <laughs> that's how you started this meeting was pointing fingers. Yeah, and yeah. Like, I came... Not naming anybody, <laughs> Mitch. I came in on Joe's defense and was like, hey, he said he doesn't want to point fingers. That doesn't mean he isn't going to, okay? <laughs> it was pretty good. I was a big fan. Yeah. And uh, sorry, going back to emotional uh, intelligence and health, I think, like... Learning to manage your stress, not don't get stressed, learn what to do about it when you are stressed. And if you have an unhealthy amount of stress, which happens, again, chemical imbalances, see somebody. Because there is such a thing as too much stress and stress that you aren't able to manage just by yourself. Like, whether that's medication or therapy or something, it's better to ask for help and be okay than... Be stubborn and prideful and become very unhappy. Yeah. Your, what you just said reminded me of this, and I don't want to undermine seeking out professional help. Um, and we talked about this on the last episode, too. But I think when we get like this, and Riley does it, you have a tendency to want to isolate yourself. And so seeing, when we say see somebody, we mean, like, go see a professional. But, like... Literally, a seeing a person can help, you know, with these feelings. One of the biggest signs, if not symptoms, of anxiety is avoidance. Mm -hmm. And that is avoiding people, that's avoiding responsibilities, that's avoiding a whole litany of things. Right. And a big part of that, I personally think, comes from a stigma of that self-loathing or, or uh, shame that also gets perpetuated through society one thing that I learned from the, the Five Love Languages book is that every emotion that you feel is valid. If you are feeling it, you are feeling it. Mm -hmm. Bottom line. There's, there's nothing of, I shouldn't be feeling this way. It's what you do about those feelings that could continue to validate your experience versus invalidate like people it's going to be more difficult for people to empathize with you if you're a jerk about the feelings you are feeling or if you act out so learning what to do with your feelings is the priority and that can be really hard like not to underestimate that that can be very difficult but as long as you're trying you'll make headway and you'll get there. Like, if you seek help from, if it's a book, if it's friends, if it's family, if it's professional, whatever, but seeking help is important. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Please tune in next time when we talk about Joker. If you liked us, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at two underscore bald men and find us on Facebook. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to us on Apple Podcast and SoundCloud. Thank you all again. And if you were driving, we hope you got to your destination safely and on time. 